Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Monday. It's May 22nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, but a little bit different week for you as uh, ASU baseball. They are entering the Pac-12 tournament this week. They are the five seed, and so here is how things will unfold for the Sun Devils in the Pac-12 tournament here. As the five seed, they'll take on the eight-seeded Wildcats on Tuesday. Pre-game is set for 9.45 a.m. with first pitch at 10 right here on KDUS AM 1060, KDUS1060.com, and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. And then as well on Thursday, they'll play Oregon State, so they're guaranteed two games Tuesday and Thursday. Depending upon what happens in those contests, we'll figure out if they're playing on Friday and Saturday. But Thursday's contest as well, pre-game 9.45 and first pitch at 10. So we we will just be doing shows this week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Let's get things started. Let's set the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, and that's revolving the uh, Western Conference Finals. Will the Nuggets finish off the Lakers tonight? And I guess, Bob, your conversation that you had with Matt Brooks from Nuggets.com in the previous hour has just catapulted yes out in front. 83% of the vote now, no trailing at 17%. Okay, that's all Matt. That's not me. I'm just asking the questions. Uh, so there's that. But uh, obviously, um, I was surprised at the result on uh, in Game 3 on uh, Saturday night. But uh, And that was actually, I thought, a really well-played game for the majority of the game. Uh, really, both teams, I thought, was you know pretty well-played. And then Jokic just took over in the fourth quarter. You know, is you know, game three or excuse me, game two is Jamal Murray who took over in the fourth quarter. This game it was Jokic who, you know, really, you know, had you know, the first two fourth quarters of the series he had zero field goals made, but he ended up with 15 points in the fourth quarter on a Saturday night. Then they're now up three zero. Yeah, and we'll certainly get into this game uh, looking back and looking to tonight a little bit later on in the hour. Let's toss it on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. And uh, who is most to blame for the Celtics' 0-3 deficit with Miami winning last night? The options are the players or head coach Joe Missoula. The players out in front at 71.4% of the vote. Missoula sitting at 28.6%. Cast your vote on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Yeah, and I'm on record for you know, saying that I'm almost always. In fact, we mentioned this with the Monty Williams thing. Uh, he got fired last Monday. We talked about that for the first time in the show after it happened last weekend, or you now I guess technically a couple weekends ago. 
but I'm usually on the uh, on the players, you know, on the players as far as you know, who deserves the most blame. But I can actually, I can certainly make a case for Missoula, and I guess I kind of have made a case for him uh, the last couple of weeks. But uh, yesterday was especially um, appalling, quite frankly, uh, as a sports fan, because I thought you had a team that quit and a coach that quit on the team. Not a good combination. No, that's definitely not a good combination here. Uh, so let's dive into that contest here. The Miami Heat beating the Celtics last night, 128-102, to 102, that they took a 3-0 series lead. Contributions from the Heat came from everyone. Uh, Gabe Vincent. Yeah. 29 points, 11 of 14, 6 of 9 from 3. This three-point explosion here from a team that struggled mightily, didn't shoot very many uh, in the regular season, has been something to watch in these playoffs, series after series. Duncan Robinson, 22 points, 7 of 11, 5 of 7 from 3. And then Bam Adebayo, he only had 13 points, but like every single play was a highlight reel dunk. Uh, and then Jimmy Butler wasn't asked to do everything. He contributed 16 points on five of 13 shooting. Yeah, um, you know Butler is the fourth leading scorer, and Bam's the fifth leading scorer. Uh, pretty amazing. Uh, you know, Gabe Vincent—that's his career high regular season and postseason. Also, going back to the fact that I don't think the Celtics showed up. Miami was plus 22 in rebounding in this particular game and yeah tatum and brown were a combined 12 for 35 from the field and had 26 points and then joe mazzullo who did take some responsibility finally after the game you i think he's just basically you know been throwing the players under the bus for you know, every playoff loss so far in fact i thought yeah i even mentioned to somebody on saturday that I thought he had like a fleet of buses and had used <laughs> all those buses to run over his team in the last two or three weeks. But he did at least for the first time I could recall, and I think I've watched all these post-game press conferences of the playoffs, first time it seemed like he took some responsibility. He maybe kind of took it too far, uh, quite frankly, and you know, you know, took the blame for the, the, the performance and so forth. But yeah, at least he... Included himself in the failure of the team. Uh, despite the Celtics out rebounding the Heat 57 to 35, the Heat only having one offensive rebound as well. The Celtics also having 17 more shot attempts. Everything just wasn't enough for Boston. How surprising for you was it to see that the intensity and the energy was never matched by the Celtics right from the start? That was surprising, even though I think those stats are a little skewed because they were shooting 60% for like three and a half quarters <laughs> uh, before you got to garbage time and there were a bunch of misses in the last five, six minutes of that game. So there's not exactly a whole lot of missed shots to rebound. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there were tons of missed shots at the other end and, you know, the Heat dominated that. And that's without Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. who basically left this game immediately, almost, I think he was out before the first TV timeout uh, and didn't come back, and he has a leg injury, and it sounded as if it's not that bad. But the last we saw our expulsor, at least the last we saw him at a press conference yesterday, is that expulsor was going to go see the you know, training staff and see what Love's situation was. So I remember you and I were discussing the Miami Heat like toward the end of the regular season, getting ready for the play-in contest. And 
I had posed the question and we kind of maybe wrapped our heads around this, that this was just the reality of who the Heat were, that we in the regular season were just kind of waiting for them to be the Heat that we have become accustomed to seeing and that maybe we had, at least in my mind, I had resorted to saying, well, you know what, they just aren't that team this year. And then here come the playoffs. They make it through the play-in rounds after those sorts of struggles that they had. And here they are uh, topping a one seed, topping a potential two seed here, still have yet to play. So how, I guess, surprising has this turnaround been uh, for this Miami Heat team? I'm actually not that surprised, uh, just based on previous history. They have been in the conference finals three of the last four years now. I remember during the uh, the first couple, I think it was the day, the Monday that the play-in, in fact, I'm positive, it was the Monday that the play-in round started. We had Mo DeKeel on from the Athletic and Bleacher Report, and we were talking that you, if you're a team in the Eastern Conference, you want Miami to get out. You want them to lose. You want them out of this thing. Remember, they lost the first play. They lost the first play-in game, <laughs> so they're almost done then. Uh, but, uh, you know, so at least at the time, you know, we realized that, you know, if Miami kind of gets it together, and I think we all think Eric Spolster is, like, unbelievable as far as everything he, he does. Uh, so that that was a team. If I, if I were an Eastern Conference team, that's the team that I would have just wanted to you know, get them out of the way here. I, I don't want to deal with these guys. Uh, so also in, in line with this here. So I know that we give a lot of props and kudos to Eric Spolstra. He's a coach that continues to put the team in good positions to excel. But are we also sort of seeing that confidence is just continuing to breed confidence? And so the guys understand their roles. They, they continue to step up it, it, game after game. And so it's just a situation of they're seeing the shots go in. They're seeing the success. And so it's just kind of steamrolling along. No, it's definitely steamrolling along. Um, and, and they just understand what they're supposed to do. Um, yeah, there are role players, and then there are role players that understand their roles. I think the, those can be two different things. I mean, the Suns had role players. I don't know if some of them actually knew what the hell they were supposed to be doing. Uh, and yeah, I don't know if some of them were actually capable of doing what was asked of them in you know, Josh Kogi's case. Uh, but you know, the Heat, they, uh, you know, the old Clint Eastwood thing from Dirty Harry, man's got to know his limitations type of thing. Um, and uh, that, that's, I think, that's the way that the Heat work. And, and Spolstra is, he's really, he's been asked, I don't think he was asked yesterday, but I know he was asked after the, la- the last time they played in Boston about you've got all these, you know, you got four guys that weren't drafted in your rotation and they're key players. He's sick of that. And, and I'll blame him. And I'll blame the players. I mean, that's, you know, they've got guys that played the bubble that were in that situation. And there's a lot of things, a lot of things that have happened in the world <laughs> and basketball and otherwise that have happened since the bubble. And, you know, they've had those guys have really matured as players. Um, he used the word matured last night, in fact, in the postgame, among other things. He called his team mature and professional. I made a note of it right here. Uh, And I think that's an extremely accurate description of the Heat in general. Uh, I heard this argument this morning that the success of the Heat 
And you could also even lump in the Lakers, who were a seven seed, and the Heat here as an eight seed is going to be a really bad thing for the NBA moving forward because it is going to continue to promote and prove that load management throughout the year is the key to having success because you can still make a playoff run. I'm not 100% sold on that idea because I think load management was already... Um, I don't know that this really proves or sways the thought process one way or another because it was already going down that path. Yeah, even though I do think, well, maybe I'm the wrong person to ask about this because I've never, uh, maybe I shouldn't say never, rarely have I actually put a whole lot of emphasis in the regular season. And as time has gone on here, I have even less, you know, you know, I put almost no emphasis on what happened in the regular season. Uh, especially when we get to certain matchups, I could care less what happened during you know, regular season matchups. When we get to the playoffs, I don't pay any, I pay zero attention to it now. Zero. Because one big reason is because almost no games that were played, you know, for instance, remember the Nuggets and the Suns? Mm-hmm. The Nuggets never had their entire team intact when they played their, the team that we see now. None of those guys all played in any of the regular season games against the Suns. And it's not, that's just one obviously obvious example that we can stay here and get kind of use a local, you know, local angle to it. But almost every NBA matchup in the playoffs, the regular season rarely had the star players playing every game against each other. Yeah, uh, you're 100% right on that front. And so I guess to your point, um, I don't really think that the success that the Heat are having proves anything one way or another. It's just kind of the way that injuries shape out. It's the way that back-to-backs happen. It's the way that teams want to, quote-unquote, load manage their rosters uh, or to not kind of give – I don't know, give away something ahead of the playoffs here. So it's just two different worlds, the regular season and the postseason, just from a, a play player standpoint, but then also from a strategical standpoint. True. And, you know, that's another, going back to Spolstra, he's talked about this um, almost after every playoff game so far of how the regular season went for them. And they had guys in and out of the lineup for a variety of a lot of legitimate injuries, in fact, too, uh, throughout the season. And how, you know, they had to put guys into situations. And you know, he and uh, the organization, they're smart enough to understand that they, hey, this might work. And you know, they, you know, they don't even have Tyler Hero right now. Who, by the way, when they make if they make the finals, and I think we assume they're going to make the finals, he might play in the finals. Remember they said at the time that he was out unless they make the finals, and they mentioned yesterday that he's you know, working towards coming back and playing in the finals, and that's just another shooter, the Victor Odipo thing. I He was uh, more of a player, um, you know, just a body. You know, not to, you know, I loved Oladipo when he was at IU, but that's you know, 10 injuries ago, unfortunately, for him. But uh, you know, he is, was just more of a guy that accumulated minutes as opposed to, for the most part, uh, productive, you know, big-time player. I don't think the opponent in his Miami days has really ever had to uh, you know, basically you know, game plan against Victor Oladipo. 
You know, this conversation that we're having kind of sparks something looking ahead to next year and how they're supposed to be having that middle-of-the-season tournament thing uh, because I think you and I can both agree that playoff basketball is the best basketball. Like, this is fun um, as a whole. I mean, obviously, there's some games that stink more than others, but as a whole, it's fun. And so I think that that's what you're trying to capture with this play, this midseason tournament. But I don't know that, one, you're going to get the buy-in from the players. I don't know that it's going to captivate our attention because there's so much else going on at that particular moment. And if we're just so accustomed to playoff basketball being here at the end of the season this is when we tune in there is zero chance i mean zero chance that i'm gonna get i'm gonna buy into this in-season tournament crap i mean there there i can't imagine an idea that i'm gonna care less about maybe actually after i see it uh maybe i'll pay you know maybe i change my mind but i doubt it I just, uh, but nobody has, uh, let's see, I think there's people who are regular listeners, and I know, Kayla, you've been frustrated with my opinion towards the regular season, whether it be the Suns or other teams in the NBA, but, you know, I love the playoffs. I mean, obviously, we've had tremendous discussions really since the playoffs started, or even the play-in round started, for that matter. Because I consider that to be, even though the stats don't count, which is just stupid. How, how can the standards just don't exist? You know, somebody gets like 60 points and it doesn't matter. Whatever. That's the way that the NBA looks at it, I guess. That, not, I guess. That's the way they look at it. Uh, but those stats do not count. Uh, so, you know, whatever. But uh, I love the playoffs. And I just love the game-to-game adjustment type of thing. I'm also somewhat sad that we're in a situation right now where both conference finals are, you know, 3-0. And then we're, yeah, I'm sure the networks are really pissed off about this. Yeah, if, 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 if the Nuggets close out tonight and the Heat close out tomorrow night, there's not a game in the NBA till June 1st. I think, to your point, the, the way that these series have gone to get to 3-0 have been very different. Uh, like the Lakers oh, yeah. and the Nuggets have been really competitive each game. There's been yep. some sort of uh, play here or there that has changed the outcome and the direction of the game, whereas we haven't really seen that so much in the Celtics and the Heat series. It's just kind of been more Heat domination. Totally agree. I'm much more looking forward to tonight's game, and I just want the Celtics out of my life. I mean, I'm done with them, uh, kind of like I was with the Knicks <laughs> in previous series. Even though the Celtics have talent and the Knicks don't. Game four, Celtics Heat Tuesday, 5.30 p.m. Currently, Celtics plus one and a half, Heat minus one and a half. The Nuggets and the Lakers are tonight. We'll dive into this game. We'll look back at game three and try to figure out something here for tonight's contest. This is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Carving out time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. What you're saying is it was a free-for-all, right, Bob? 
It is. It was. <laughs> in more ways than you could imagine. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Uh, there's something that's coming up on the KDOS 1060 app here this week. So in addition to the $100 gift certificate from Superbook Sports, all you have to do is download the KDOS 1060 app, uh, register, and follow along with the instructions to be eligible for that contest. We're also putting up some Arizona Diamondbacks tickets for this weekend as they are hosting the Red Sox. So what you're going to want to do, download the KDOS 1060 app, register, and follow those instructions to be eligible to win. Uh, those should be up on the app some point this week, maybe later today or tomorrow. In addition to all of that, for more information about the weekend series, go to dbacks.com tickets. Let's continue. By the way, speaking of weekend series, I'll give you a little heads up here. There's going to be a whole lot of hype about Tory Lovello facing his former organization. So, you know, there's there's still some people in the Boston organization that were around in the Tory Lovello, you know, days and so forth. So, you know, get ready for that. That's crazy. He's been here for a long time. Yep, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they... Yeah, he and Hazen both came from the Red Sox organization. That's true. Uh, so we'll get into the Diamondbacks in our number two. Let's continue the NBA playoff conversation, flipping things to the Western Conference Finals. Nuggets plus three, Lakers minus three. Game four tonight, 5.30 p.m. Let's go back to game three for a bit. We saw an early explosion from Jamal Murray. He just continued his fourth quarter performance in game two, rolled it right into game three, 30 points at halftime. He ended up with 37 points, 15 of 29 Jokic had a slow start foul trouble as well but turned it on in the fourth quarter and ended the night with 24 points 9 of 19 Bruce Brown continues to play really well off of the bench consistently as well 15 points this contest felt kind of weird because you had like it almost felt like no matter who won or who lost you could feel that the other team blew it right like the Nuggets come out, and they are just dominating, taking it to the Lakers. I was kind of surprised that the Lakers didn't match that intensity and that energy. Then the Nuggets kind of uh, petered out a bit, and the Lakers had an opportunity to push at the end, and then uh, Jokic took over in the fourth quarter. And certainly for the Lakers, though, not being able to capitalize and get the series to 2-1, certainly devastating. Absolutely. Uh, just a few, you know, you know, your favorite word, nugget. I got some nuggets for you here. Uh, you know, maybe not you know, as, as uh, you know, as in depth as the nuggets that you bring us. But Denver is <laughs> eleven and three in the postseason. You know, remember they were under five hundred during the on the road during the regular season. They have now won two straight road games: the elimination game against the Suns, and then the first game of this series at Los Angeles. And uh, they had the Nuggets also. This was their first conference finals road win. Remember when they were in conference finals before, it was in the bubble. So there were no road games. Also on Saturday, 30 assists and six turnovers. That's insane. Uh, that is an unbelievable. That's you know, beyond the, the definition of efficiency as far as that goes. And I didn't get to this. I, I sure to mention this. Uh, when we got to the Nuggets in the sports zone today. But 
I think Aaron Gordon's been the best defensive player this whole postseason of any team. Uh, he slowed down Kevin Durant. Uh, we did get into this a little bit in the last hour, but he certainly bothered Kevin Durant, and he guarded LeBron, and even he even guarded Anthony Davis some in the first three games of this series. Yeah, out of the U of A, uh, he went early to the NBA. I remember arguing with people. I was on the side that he's stupid if he doesn't go to the NBA. He couldn't. You know, he wasn't a good shooter, so people thought, well, he'll never. It reminds me of Lou Dort. Yeah, he didn't make shots when he was at ASU. Gordon did make shots when he was at the U of A. He can't possibly be a good NBA player. He's a tremendous NBA player. And remember when Gordon got traded to the Nuggets, that's right before, literally like the day or two before Murray got hurt and suffered the knee injury. I actually thought at the time that they were going to win the the Western Conference, and I invested in the Nuggets to win the Western Conference. And literally the next couple of days is when Murray went down with the knee injury. But he is, Gordon, is just, I think he's the best defensive player in the NBA this postseason, no matter, you know, what series. Overall, he's been the best guy. You know, I know Aaron Gordon is a starter. I know that, you know, KCP is a starter for the Nuggets, but I'm going to call them the role players a bit because you, yeah. you've, a lot of the focus is always on Jamal Murray and uh, Nikola Jokic. But I think when you look at this series here, the Nuggets role players have just consistently played so much better than the Lakers role players, and that's been the difference. Uh, agreed. Uh, yeah, even though obviously uh, it helps when you got uh, when the stars are standing out in the fourth quarter of games <laughs> too, with Jokic with 15 points in the fourth quarter on Saturday night, and Murray with what was it 23 or 24, whatever it was in game two in the fourth quarter. So that certainly helps tremendously. Uh, it's just uh, it, it is amazing how uh, yeah, maybe not amazing. I mean, I mean we I kind of like the Nuggets during the regular season, but I had a tough time really, you know, grasping how good they might be. Uh, like a lot of teams in the NBA regular season. Plus, when we saw them in the two games against the Suns towards the end of the season, they didn't play anybody. Yeah, Gordon was like the only guy that did play in those games. So I had a really tough time gauging where they were at that point because they. Literally played the Suns like twice in the last like 10 games, maybe even fewer than that in the regular season. So I was uh, somewhat baffled by the time the playoffs started. And then where I really got duped is I put way too much emphasis on my opinion of the Nuggets in the final two games of the Minnesota series. When they didn't sweep, they lost the game in Minnesota. And then they kind of messed around. And you know, when they got back to you know, Denver in game five before they put them away and for some reason, stupid on my part, uh, just at that time decided, well, I'm not completely sold the Nuggets when I kind of was before those you know, two games. But that, it's, I, hopefully I'll learn a lesson uh, long term about that, but I'm um, kicking myself short term. LeBron, 23 points, 8 of 19. He did hit 3 of 9 from 3 along with 12 assists. I'm curious your opinion on LeBron in this series uh, and maybe even the totality of these NBA playoffs, some of the decision-making that he has had uh, because – I feel like a lot of criticism for LeBron in his younger years was decision-making for him to, quote-unquote, make the smart basketball play as opposed to just taking over the game and being more dominant. We always used to see him kick out and give it to the wide-open guy. Now, I'm just curious to see what you think of his current decision-making. 
I think he's tired a lot of these games. I don't think he can go, you know, full bore uh, 48 minutes from start to finish in a game. I know he's not playing 48 minutes, but he's playing over 40. And, uh, yeah, he's jacked up a lot of threes, and not necessarily in this game on Saturday night. He made a, he made a couple of threes. What a concept that is. Uh, but, yeah, he, especially game two. Uh, remember, there were two or three possessions where he took bad shots and just kind of settled before the shot clock even ran down. And I think I just wonder if that's just, uh, you know, he's not a young dude. And uh, actually, I think, unfortunately, I think the old LeBron that you talked about, how you always deferred to make the right play and so forth. I think that that would that, that would actually serve the Lakers, you know, better right now because they've got some guys that can, you know, actually make some shots. Unfortunately, D'Angelo Russell's not one of those, uh, and uh, if he's not making shots, as I've said for like a hundred years, you got to get him off the floor, and they pretty much have gotten him off the floor after they realize he's not making shots. The games in this series I have found to be really entertaining, but unfortunately the series is 3-0, and that's not what we were hoping for as NBA fans. Yeah, and talk show you know, hosts and so forth, right? It's not it's bad for business. We need these games. We don't need you know, 10 days without the NBA or however long this break is going to last. And you know, the NBA doesn't need that either. I mean, yeah. But, you know, they had the advertising all set up for uh, the, the, the schedule for the finals is set like, we, you know, probably months ago for all I know. We'll get into what we think is going to happen for tonight's game as part of the KDOS1060.com poll question. We'll get into that uh, in our number two. But on the other side of the break, it's your turn. If you'd like to join the program, we'll take your calls now, get to you on the other side of the break. The number 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060. We'll also dive into uh, 2023 offseason report cards for every NFL team, but we're not going through every NFL team. That would take forever for 30 32 teams, but it's coming to you from Bleacher Reports. Christopher Knox. We'll we go. got a short week. We can't be doing that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but we'll get into that as well. But feel free to join the conversation. 602-260-1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you here up until noon today on this Monday, May 22nd. Listener rewards for you with the KDUS 1060 app. Download today to hear all of the national and local shows you love. That's the KDUS 1060 app. Here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. A reminder here for you uh, shows this week. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, ASU baseball competing in the Pac-12 tournament. They're the five seed. First up on Tuesday, they're taking on the eight seed, U of A, and that'll be a 9.45 a.m. pregame with a 10 o'clock first pitch. Tim Healy on the call here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. You can find the schedule over at KDOS1060.com. Let's roll into the 2020. So no sports zone. Correct. Yes. No sports zone. No extra point. Yeah. By the way, the U of A had to win like 
four of their last five games to even reach the Pac-12 tournament. That's how bad they've been most of the season. So ASU better beat them. Yeah, it was quite a rally for U of A. Like uh, in kind of going through everything, I had pretty much written them off, and then here they are as yeah. the eight seed. Well, I know they lost like what did they lose like nine in a row or ten or eleven or some insane thing. Their pitching has been atrocious. That's about all I know about U of A baseball. The 2023 offseason report cards for every NFL team by Christopher Knox from Bleacher Report. Thought we could go through a few of these teams starting in the NFC West and the Arizona Cardinals. Speaking of the Cardinals, they're having OTAs today. And for sure, DeAndre Hopkins is not at the voluntary OTAs. He joined the I Am Athlete podcast this morning, and he said that he's actually in Toronto working on his body. So he is not a part of the first. <laughs> left, not only is he you know, leaving the Cardinals, he's left the damn country. Apparently. So, wow. Okay. Getting as far away as possible. Uh, yeah. Almost, actually, because Toronto, East Coast. But uh, he doesn't want to be traded, I'm sure. That will be the next thing. So. Arizona Cardinals here. Uh, key additions include head coach Jonathan Gannon, linebacker Kaiser White, wide receiver Zach Paschal. Uh, in addition to that, signings or re-signings, I should say, guard Will Hernandez as well as kicker Matt Prater. Uh, in the draft, some key draft uh, pieces, Paris Johnson, B.J. Ojulari, cornerback Garrett Williams, key departures, Zach Allen, Byron Murphy, J.J. Watt with his retirement, Cody Ford. So when Christopher Knox is putting all of this together here. He's grading out free agency and the trade world with a D plus. He's grading the draft as an A minus and overall giving it a C. Uh, would you agree with that assessment? I think that sounds pretty fair. Um, I, I like the way that he broke that down, in fact. So, yeah, I think that's uh, I can make a case that uh, to, I, I can make a case that I agree with his accuracy there. Okay. Then when we move into the Los Angeles Rams, they have a lot going on. Uh, obviously going completely all in to win a Super Bowl. It worked out for them a couple of years ago, but now they're having to pay the price of the, those decisions that they made. I don't know if pay the price is the right phrase, but that's what we're going with. Uh, the key additions and the key re-signings for the Rams here. Tight end Hunter Long, defensive tackle Marquise Copeland, as well as guard Coleman Shelton. Uh, in the draft uh offensive lineman steve avila edge byron young defensive lineman uh kobe turner and quarterback stetson bennett key departures this is where the list is lengthy cornerback jalen ramsey edge leonard floyd linebacker bobby wagner wide receiver alan robinson safety taylor rap kicker matt gay and punter riley dixon so according to christopher knox here free agency trades he gives the grade an f the draft he gives it a C plus overall a D. I might be a little higher than that because I just think that uh, the Rams have they're doing the right thing here, and they had 14 draft picks. Remember, after all these years, they've had like yeah one or whatever. <laughs> they've had very few, so I think that they went about it. Also, you know, some of those free agent losses were not. Well spent money. The Allen Robinsons of the world, for whatever reason, he wasn't any good at all. Uh, so, and Bobby Wagner uh, had a couple of nice games, but wasn't great for them. Really, wasn't an impact player. 
So I think that uh, you know there there was no reason for for those guys specifically for them to stay with the Rams. You know, let's go to the Seahawks here next because of the transition here with Bobby Wagner. Obviously, he is a key addition here. So key additions and re-signings, cornerback Geno Smith, Bobby Wagner, linebacker Devin Bush, safety Julian Love, and defensive tackle Jaron Reed. In the draft, they picked up cornerback Devin Witherspoon, wide receiver Jackson Smith, Najigba, edge Derek Hall, and running back Zach Charbonnet. Key departures for them, running back Rashad Penny, wide receiver Marquise Good, win linebacker Cody Barton free agency trade he's giving the grade an A a draft an A minus so overall an A is it just me in my head or is there kind of a sentiment here that what you just mentioned Bobby Wagner not having as great of production as we potentially thought was going to happen with the Rams but now him reuniting with the Seahawks feels like a great acquisition for the Hawks again well, in really, I, I, I've gone blank and forgot the, the name of the linebacker who went down with the uh, ACL late last season and may not be ready for the start of this season. That's the only reason that Wagner is back in Seattle. Uh, we talked about that draft week when we previewed the Seahawks draft and they talked about their offseason. I think they've had a tremendous offseason. Uh, you mentioned all the veteran additions at the, in the defensive side of the ball, not just Wagner. But yeah, really, all three lines of the defense—they've uh, added guys, and you know, they needed a little. They needed certainly some help because their defense was not good last year, even though their team was good. Their defense was, you know, kind of without without question, and not kind of, but you know, definitely their weak spot. So they, I think they've, you know, really, you know, bulked up in those positions. And uh, I would be really surprised. If I didn't have some kind of wager on the Seahawks for next season, whether it's over the win total or to maybe even win the division, uh, but yeah, I really uh, I liked them a little bit at the start of last season. Didn't quite have enough guts to bet them over. Was it five and a half or whatever it was? But I did at least early in the season catch on to my original thought, and I did make some money on the Seahawks during the season by betting them on a not a weekly basis, but you know I. I would imagine if I actually had a little chart here that I was more right about the Seahawks being good. And then for whatever reason, I seem to be picking the right weeks to go against Jacksonville. But those are the two guys. Betting on Seattle, betting against Jacksonville are the two teams I seem to make the most money on last year in the NFL. The linebacker you're thinking of that tore his ACL, Jordan Brooks. That is correct. And he's a really good player. And yeah, he went down in sometime in December. Might even you know these these regular seasons going into January now, but it was right at the end of the season. So that that was really the that's the reason that Wagner's on this team again. Uh, the 49ers here, key additions. You have defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, quarterback Sam Darnold, cornerback Isaiah Oliver, center John Feliciano, uh, kicker Zane Gonzalez, edge Cleanan Farrell, and safety Tashawn Gibson. In the draft, they didn't have a ton of draft capital here. Jair Brown, kicker Jake Moody, as well as tight end Cameron Latu. Uh, key departures for the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mike McGlinchey, Jimmy Ward, Aziz Al-Shair, Hassan Ridgeway. Uh, Christopher here is giving free agency trade grade as a B, draft D+, plus, overall C. I'm actually kind of surprised in departures he did not include um, defensive coordinator, who is now the head coach, D'Amico Ryans, uh, with the Houston Texans. 
That's true. That's a good point by you. Uh, agreed. Uh, I think that of the uh, draft guys, you know, Moody is going to really be especially important here. The plays kicker who was tremendous in his days in Michigan, which seemed to be like he was there for like a decade, it seemed like. Um, he might is he from here? He might be from here anyway. Uh, but uh, you know, he he you know they let uh, you know you know, you know you know Robbie Gold is no longer there after a long year long long years plural in the NFL whether it be Chicago or San Francisco he made a lot of big kicks for them but I uh, you know of the guys that might actually have the biggest impact that they've added in the off season, considering the position etc that uh, you know, he might be the most important guy they added. There were some notable teams that I wanted to get into here. We're kind of up against it, so I'll just mention this one team. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers here? So key additions for them is cornerback Patrick Peterson. I think we kind of forget that that's where he ended up. Yeah. Uh, guard Isaac Samola, a linebacker, Alandon Roberts, uh, linebacker Cole Holcomb, guard Nate Herbis, wide receiver Allen Robinson. That's where he ended up. Defensive lineman Larry, uh, and as well as quarterback Mason Rudolph in the draft the the boon that they were able to pull off getting offensive tackle Broderick Jones cornerback Joey Porter Jr. Uh, defensive lineman Keanu Bent- Benton and tight end Darnell Washington the key departures for them uh, Robert Sp- Spilonic cornerback Cameron Sutton safety Terrell Edmonds and linebacker Devin Bush the free agency trade market B draft a overall a minus Agreed. Um, yeah, they're an interesting team. Obviously, uh, the uh, Tomlin the non-losing record thing is still alive. Uh, so we'll see what happens. It's interesting. You know, they had kind of like a surplus of wide receivers, and then they had to go out and get some wide receivers. So we'll see if uh, Allen Robinson works out better there than he uh, did in Los Angeles, which was a disaster. And I. I I, I just kind of wonder still because he he still does enough things where you wonder about the the skill set seems to be very high still, but that dude has played with some of the worst quarterbacks, the starting quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, literally in his career. I mean, I, there can't be a wide receiver that's played with more bad quarterbacks than him or you know inefficiency offensively than him. With the exception of last year when he was with Matthew Stafford, but Stafford was hurt and the offense went down to tank because they lost their entire offensive line for the most part. I find the AFC North to go, at least going into the season, a fascinating division because... Yeah, intriguing, yes, for sure. Very much so, uh, because you obviously have... Uh, the Steelers defense and TJ Watt and whether or not he can stay healthy and just the production that he brings to the table and their win-loss record when he's playing or not playing. Then you also have whether or not Kenny Pickett is going to take that next step. I, I know you have certain opinions on Kenny Pickett, but then in general... Not a, not a, belie- not a believer. <laughs> correct. Uh, and then just in general, like how are things going to turn out with Baltimore? How are things going to develop with Cleveland? Uh, so it's just kind of a really interesting division on paper heading into the season. We wrap up our number one on the other side of the break. It is the extra point. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. 
up hour number one of Extra Point on this Monday, May 22nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. Let's take a brief look back at the PGA Championship. It's in the books. Brooks. You should have started with this. You're 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 two for two here. You should have started the show with this. Yeah, it's been a good run so far in the majors. And what's funny is I was really confident about what was going to happen at Augusta and was just looking at everything for this particular event and was like, I don't know. Like, I was just kept poking holes in everybody's game. And I was like, this is a flaw. This is a flaw. When is it going to rear its ugly head? And then I settled on Brooks Kepka, uh, and he goes out and he wins. He now has five major championships to his career three PGA championships, two U.S. Opens. He joins a list of names with five majors that includes Seve Ballesteros, Peter Thompson, Byron Nelson, John Henry Taylor, and James Braid. Uh, He's now chasing down the players who have six majors, and that would be Lee Trevino, Nick Faldo, and Phil Mickelson. It's funny Uh, because there was a moment on Friday I had texted someone and I said, Brooks needs two birdies coming home. He'll get himself into the contention on the weekend, and he ended up getting three. And after that happened, I was like, he's winning. Like, he's locked in. There was just something about his focus, his control, his demeanor. I was like, he's he's winning this golf tournament. Uh, But what's also interesting, I believe I pointed it out when I watched the Full Swing documentary, which was that Netflix series about the PGA Tour. And they Mm -hmm. interviewed and followed Brooks, and it was very clear that probably the reason he decided to go to live is because he was just so mentally beaten down by all of the injuries that he had sustained, and he just didn't think, and he was so open about, I don't know that I can compete at this level, and he's, uh, you know the big game hunter, right? He shows up for these major championships, doesn't care about the regular season tournaments, but now that he's back and he's healthy, we saw it at Augusta, obviously he goes out and wins at the PGA Championship. Uh, He's certainly uh, primed to continue some more major championship run. I do want to make mention of here, here, Michael Block, the club pro. What an awesome, cool week for him. He has a hole-in-one on hole 15. Uh, He finishes in the top 15. Like, what a cool experience for that guy uh, all week long, and he really seemed to embrace it. So really awesome stuff there from the PGA Championship. Uh, Hour number two of Extra Point is coming up next.